0: This morning at five o'clock, the CBC issued a an expanded version of the radio program that uh, they did on on the current on Tuesday morning. If you want to find it, just go to CBC.ca at CBC.ca, and it's quite a, a lengthy article, but it's very well done, and you can. You can uh, find it there. Just go to cbc.ca, look for their uh, latest printed articles, and you'll find it there. Well, um, I'm going to take you back to the book of Titus this morning, and a very important passage of Scripture. I'm just going to leave it up here through the uh, whole—actually, if you could put the whole text up there at once, because I'm going to— be referring back to it if you can if you can get it up there um, right from verses eleven to fourteen. This is a, a continuation of the series on the book of Titus. The book of Titus has so many relevant things, so many things that are very pertinent to our life today as the church, as the followers of Jesus. And uh, so this message this morning is very, very important in that, it brings, in that it brings two very important truths together. For the grace of God has appeared. Notice the two words, has appeared. So it's past tense and it's actually present tense. And it offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now notice he has appeared this present age, and the the coming appearing of the great God, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the person that we're talking about is the great God, God Almighty. He has appeared, he's present, and he will appear. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Now, when it comes to understanding the coming of Christ, past Advent and coming Advent, his past appearing and his future appearing, it's extremely important that we realize that they're very closely connected, as we can see from this text. If we just simply focus on his past appearing, we are missing one of the critical components of what the gospel is about and what our focus should be about. Now there were wonderful things that happened when he came the first time. He he appeared and offered salvation to all people. That's Jew and Gentile, everyone in the world. And, he He came as a it was an offer it wasn't something he imposed it was he came to present salvation to everyone and to teach us that we don't have to live the way we used to live in what the Bible refers to here as ungodliness ways that are contrary to the way he created us and that he purposes for us to live and so in this present age. We learn to live in moral purity. We learn to live in a godly way, and we wait for the hope that is blessed, or the blessed hope, as it's often referred to, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. So, several things to note about this. When Jesus appeared the first time, he did not appear in his glory. He actually, of course, just came as a little baby in Bethlehem. He came in the flesh. Uh, The hymn writer wrote, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men, with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. But he was veiled in flesh. You couldn't really see. Think of it. The great God... The God who created us came veiled in flesh.
1: And uh, most people didn't
0: recognize him. When he appeared, he appeared not to kings, not to religious leaders, not to people of affluence. He appeared just to in, in a manger uh, with Mary and Joseph. And when they presented him in the temple, they didn't even have the wherewithal to to purchase a lamb. And so the provisions of the Old Testament worship was that when you offered a sacrifice, if you couldn't afford a lamb, you could buy two turtle doves. And so that's what they did. They were poor folks. They <laughs> presented Jesus with just tur- two turtle doves as their offering. Well... um The main feature of his coming, when he came the first time, is that he was unrecognizable. He came incognito, if you will. Uh, You couldn't tell, looking at that baby in the manger, that he was any different than any other baby. What what that's all about can be defined by the word humility. Humility he was in the form of god the bible says but he didn't find himself he wasn't didn't think it was robbery to be equal with god so he was god second person in the trinity but he took upon himself the form of man and he humbled himself you read that in the book of philippians chapter 2 so here's this appearing this first appearing now he came for a very specific purpose he came as a man in order that he could die for the sins of the world. He couldn't do that as God. He had to do that as man. He had to become our substitute for our sin, and with his perfect sinless life, lay himself down for all of us so that the grace of God could appear to us and offer us salvation. He gave himself to redeem us to buy us back this this passage of scripture is pregnant with truth it's just it's just so full of rich truth he came but not in glory or with glory he came as a baby a man he came in humility Yes, people were fascinated by him. They were fascinated by his miracles, by his teaching, but really, very, very few ever saw his glory. In fact, when you read in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus actually did appear with his glory to th- two of his, uh, three of his disciples. Uh, it says. And uh, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. The Bible says, so he appeared before the before them, not as he was had appeared in to everyone else, but he was transfigured for them to catch a glimpse of his glory of who he really was the great God of heaven. And so it says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now, uh, the sun is 93 million miles away, and none of us can really look at it in a a bright day. It's It's just too dazzling. But imagine his face that close appearing like the brilliance and the brightness of the sun. It, it's, and his clothes were as white as the light. And just then there be, appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters or three buildings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This, this is a great place to be. In the presence of your glory, in the, with your face shining with absolute brilliance and wonder. And, and God had allowed this experience to happen so that they would get a glimpse of what would one day happen to the whole world. And, uh, uh, and while he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them And a voice from the cloud has said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So here there's a a divine purpose that's revealed that hooks back to his appearing that they were still experiencing because he was still on earth, but now a connecting point on the mountain of what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, to a future appearing where he would come with brilliance. And so the voice from heaven, the voice of the Father said, Don't, it, this is not a time to focus on a, a Moses or Elijah or any of the prophets, though they certainly have their place. But this is a time to listen to Jesus. This is a time to hear what he has to say. Listen to him is what the Father said. The greatest challenge of the church today is to hear his voice, to listen to him. And you can listen through various ways. You can hear, listen through a sermon like you're hearing this morning or other teachers or others who have experiences with him. But the most dynamic reality and one to which we are call, all called to is for ourselves personally to listen to him. And we do that through his word, a primary source of his voice to us, through prayer, through coming together as the body of Christ and hearing together what he is saying through his Holy Spirit. Uh, So these men, Peter, James, and John, they actually had a glimpse of his glory. But not too many people in Bible days did. Paul did. He was a persecutor of the church. He hated the church. But on his way to Damascus, there was a light that shone from heaven, and he heard the voice of Jesus. And the brilliance was so great that it blinded him. And then, of course, he came to recognize that the one who had appeared to him in his brilliance and his glory was the very one that he was persecuting, the one he hated, and whose followers he was killing unmercifully. Well, um, very few were actually in the, in the old, in, in the time that Jesus was here, actually saw the glory of Jesus. They saw him as he came, a man. Um, The Godhead, veiled in flesh, as the songwriter wrote. They didn't quite see it that way. Um, Yeah, they came to recognize that he was the Messiah. Uh, Yes, he was God. They believed that. But the glory, they really had no connecting point to that. Uh, They followed Jesus but it was on the basis of his first coming. Titus connects the idea of his first coming to his second coming, and he ties them together. The grace of God has appeared to us and offers salvation to all people, but this is not the end of the story. Life in the future, is not just as we know it in the here and now. Life history, all that is happening in the world, and we look all at, at all of the different things and, and the troubles that are in this world, but troubles have always been in this world. Ever since man fell from God's grace in the beginning, whenever he created them, created us, in his image and likeness, and we chose sin instead of God. Ever since then, there's been a downward spiral when it comes to history. At the same time, that's not what we're to focus on as his church. We are to look and wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, we read, to him who loves us, these are the opening words of this this book, and has freed us from our sins by his blood. To him who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood, the great God and Savior who appeared and offers grace and salvation to all. Uh, John writes it that way. He has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And then right away he says, look, he's coming with the clouds.
1: And every eye shall see
0: him. He's not incognito now. He's not a baby in a manger, not unlike any other baby who was born, not hidden by human flesh, but he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. So there is the second coming of Jesus, and it's different from the first coming in many ways. One of those ways is that instead of just a few coming to know him, every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him but so shall it be. Amen. Now, the scripture goes on in the book of Revelation to show two distinct classes of people. Those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Those who have accepted the cleansing, um, purifying grace of God that changes us and transforms us from being locked into the sins of this world. Uh, They've experienced his grace and His love when we're on a path where we are obedient to Him, where we follow Him, where we seek to do His will and He comes to receive His church. He comes to receive His people unto Himself. And then there's this other class of people and this is why John as he begins this text says, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of Him. There's a great and terrible day of the Lord, the Bible says, that it's coming, that is coming. And so though everybody will see him, not everybody will be in a position to rejoice because of his coming, because they have not received the gift that he brought at his first coming, the gift of his grace that brings salvation to all who will receive it. In Matthew 24, verses 30 to 31, it says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect.
1: From the four winds,
0: from one end of the heavens to the other. So the saints, men and women who knew God in the Old Testament, people of all generations who have received him, there will be a gathering through time and space of all people
1: into his presence.
0: When's this going to happen? You see, we can focus on the first coming of Christ and the present reality of his coming. In, In fact, as right here this morning, through his spirit, he is present. When we get up every day and we look at a new day and we seek to follow him, he's present with us. So there's abiding presence of Christ with us right now. He said, uh, he said to his followers, he says to us, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the earth, to the end of the world, to the end of this present, present time. So he's with us in measure.
1: Uh, wow. Wow. But then there's coming the time when the trumpet, a very special trumpet, will sound. And
0: gathered from all corners of the earth, we be those who've received him, who've accepted him, and chosen to follow him. You go down into Matthew. And it says about that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. So wickedness had had increased in the earth so much that they went on living a party-based life. Just, Just what I can get out of the present, the here and now. They had so distanced themselves from the purposes of the one who created them in the beginning that all they knew was just the revelry of the of just enjoying life getting all you could becoming wealthy uh, just all of the kinds of things that can happen all the kinds of things that people do today that is how it will be at the coming of the son of man two men will be in the field one will be taken and the other left two women will be grinding with a hand mill, and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Keep watch. Keep watch. Now, when he says keep watch, yes, go back and remember what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, celebrate what he's done. When he rose from the dead, celebrate it through communion, celebrate it through the way you live, celebrate it with your commitment to his purposes in the church, his kingdom on earth. Celebrate it, work for it, give all you can while you have the opportunity. In a couple of weeks, I guess three weeks from today, Martin Lamb will be with us. And he has, he's involved in an incredible mission one of the ways that we know that we're looking for the return of Christ is our heart for the lost. Not just the lost that are in our community, but are around the world. And none of us can be in the places, uh, well, it's just, well, the world is, we can't be everywhere, of course. And so to support someone whose life is committed to traveling to remote parts of the world to establish churches and to help fledging and, bir- and the birthing of new churches, just groups of Christians that just need support, do we have a passion to help, help in missions? Is it something we think about? When we are looking for that coming, that blessed hope, that glorious, glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, do we consider fully what our calling is right here and right now? in this present age. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And that will be, well, for believers, the sudden appearing of Jesus. Well, yeah, we won't be expecting it when it happens, but we have a a mindset, a heart set that, yes, he's coming. And this time it'll be different than the first time. It's different than his presence with us now. It's with us. He's coming in his glory. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2, verses 17 to 21, uh, as Paul is preaching, uh, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. We love those verses. We celebrate those verses. We talk about our youth and experiencing the power and the glory of God through his Holy Spirit. But we don't often tie it in with the verses that follow, which says this. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. So there's a perspective, there's a focus. It's not just about the presence and the power and the gifts of the Spirit in this day. It's about what is happening in the future, what all of these gifts are about, what they're preparing us for. They bring us back into the past to his first appearing where he came to give by his grace salvation to all who will receive it. But he's coming again. He's coming in power and glory. And he he, he talks about... And everyone, it's a great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, um, hmm. let's look at this scripture again. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the grace that appeared when Jesus came has a very, very clear present purpose. And we just read it. So there's a calling. And that calling comes with an enablement. Comes with a gifting, not just to receive salvation as forgiveness from our sins, but to receive salvation that teaches us to overcome the temptations and the sins of this world and this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the peering of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, the peering of His glory, if If Peter, James, and John experienced that just for a few minutes or however long it was in the Mount of Transfiguration in a very isolated spot, how much greater will that glory be that covers the entire earth and everyone shall
1: see it? Hmm. The Bible says that Eye
0: has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into our minds, our consciousness, of all that God has for those who love him. The glory of what his second coming will be. And so it's referred to as a blessed hope. Not, And that's more than wishful thinking. Of course, it's more than that. But it's it's not just well I hope things will get better. It's not like we can look at the coronavirus that is spreading so rapidly around the world and say I hope it doesn't come to Pictou County. I I, I hope that things won't be so bad that this will this will, will plague that covers the earth and causes economic crash and we start thinking I, I hope I hope I hope. And so we, we just have these, or I just hope I won't get sick. I hope, I hope I'll be okay. And we have all of these very small, by comparison, hopes that are really for the present time. And not always based upon what the scripture teaches us.
1: But there's a hope that's blessed. There's a hope that's not just wishful thinking. It's not just self-serving, but there's a hope that one day I will see him. We will see him. And so from the future,
0: we're drawn back to the past. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people
1: that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So we look back. And we see what he's done.
0: We look at the future or the present, and we see we we have a hope that is rooted in the past and a hope that is blessed, something that is sure, something you can count on, you can depend on, you can base your life on it. It transcends all of the trials and the troubles of this world. And often when we become so inward in our focus and we become self-centered, we need to just pull ourselves out of that and see that right now in this present age, we have a hope
1: that one day will culminate in his glorious appearing. Are you ready for that day? Uh, if you're here this morning and you're not sure,
0: you can be sure. And I pray that you will make a choice today to receive that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that brings to us eternal salvation. It is, in fact, a work of his grace. All we do is receive it. And I pray that you will if you haven't. And church today, can we lift our focus? Yes, let's stay rooted in the past, in his death and his resurrection, his incarnation. And then one day when he, tra- when he was uh, translated back into heaven, angels came and said, why do you stand here looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who you've seen go into heaven will return. He'll come back. In the same manner, so it's physical, it's literal. It's not some kind of a a strange religious spirit experience that takes you out of body and mind, and you get kind of whatever. No, it's a physical, literal return of a person who is the great God and Savior who came to this earth in a baby as a baby in a manger, who lived on this earth for a specific purpose, to die and to be resurrected, to atone for our sins, and who is coming again
1: for his people and to judge the world.